Welcome back to the Commitment Issues Podcast. I'm Woody Womack, joined by Rob Cassidy, the original cast members uh, back in action. Rob, you were on vacation last week. Welcome home. How excited are you to be back on the podcast with uh, yours truly? Yeah, it's a nice little reunion. Uh, you know, Nick Kruger in Rio helping with Yahoo Sports coverage of the uh, Olympic Games, where he sure will be encountered by giant spiders and broken shower heads and everything else that's happening in that Olympic Village. You and I are in the comfort of the United States, in two different cities, but it's good to be back with you. I mean, it feels like, you know, I've got a little bit of nostalgia. I'm tearing up here. Well, you know, Nick's used to having all kinds of problems at his apartment. I think when he moved down to Texas, he was having flooding and, and stuff like that. So I'm sure he can uh, roll with the punches down there in Rio. It's It's been surprisingly, it's, it's a short week, Nick and I recorded towards the end of last week, but we've got all kinds of stuff happening I guess we should start off with uh, Sunday night, I guess, or Monday morning at midnight. Uh, all of a sudden, uh, the new rule went into effect where coaches could uh, favorite and uh, retweet uh, recruits. And uh, I know you and I were texting. Obviously, our timelines were, were murdered. Uh, coaches were digging up tweets from almost a year ago, some of them. And uh, it was insane. What what was your initial take on coaches being able to, to flirt with prospects via Twitter? Well, here's my thing. I, they were. They were digging up your old tweets. What do they think here? Like, what's the thought process? It's like, you know, what is like the number one player in the country going to be sitting there? And it's like, you know, I was really going to rule out Alabama, but... You know, Nick Saban liked – well, Nick Saban obviously not on Twitter. Mario Cristobal liked my year-old tweet, so I'll probably go there now. <laughs> I, I don't understand what what the thought process is there. I guess I get the larger thing where if you interact with these kids on Twitter, you know, everybody wants to be shown love. But there's no way they can think digging up year-old tweets and retweeting them is, like, helping them or helping them get – I don't know what it really accomplishes except for annoying everybody. I don't think any player is looking at that and being like – well, you know, he really likes a lot of my tweets. Uh, I guess I better sign my letter of intent with this school. I, I don't know. It just seems silly. Maybe the only thing sillier than that, though, is the way reporters reacted to it, I think. Like, I mean, there were people tracking. So a coach would like or retweet somebody's tweet, and then a reporter would let the world know that this coach retweeted this tweet. Is there anything more mind-numbing in the world than, than that? I mean, <laughs> It was pretty bad. I actually saw some stats, you know, some people were keeping track of of how many people, uh, you know, how many retweets were given out by a certain staff and et cetera. I think Tennessee obviously led the way. I know you and I uh, interact with a lot of Tennessee coaches on Twitter. I, I think you – what was your – I unfollowed unfollow anybody that retweeted more than five tweets in that first hour. So I only paid attention to it for an hour. I was looking at it. And if I saw you retweeting five tweets in my timeline or more and you were a coach, you were done. <laughs> so, uh, there, you know, I, I there were some Tennessee coaches that got it. There were some from the West Coast, when I, the area I used to cover that got it. K-State coach got it. I mean, man, I was, I was really – people were getting got. Well, I, I hit the mute button on a lot of them. I also did the undo retweets. I also had to mute one of our coworkers who will, who will remain who will remain nameless for the time being. But uh, he was killing me, so he he had to go as well. So I, I you know, I I'm ruthless when it comes to uh, Twitter and blocking and things of that nature. And if I could probably unfollow some people, I would. But uh, you know, we I do at least. I don't know what what you do. I do communicate with the coaches via direct message on Twitter. Um, what, what I thought was interesting, at least from our perspective, you, you did get a small window into, okay, you know, if this kid has uh, Tennessee as his leader, for example, and, uh, you know, when the 
900 Tennessee coaches and support staff people were retweeting everyone, if they ignored that kid, uh, it probably means they're not actually recruiting him. So, I mean, there was a small piece of news in there. I also found it interesting to see coaches recruiting or retweeting recruiting news, like stuff we had written. Now it seems like uh, maybe it'll help our page view numbers, at least, if, if coaches are putting stuff out to their audiences. Yeah, and how about Kiffin? I mean, that, he was probably, you know, that was probably the shot that was, you know, most heard, right? It was Kiffin retweeting that story and writing a tweet that said, there's lots of elite talent in Tennessee, but it's all leaving the state. As if he wasn't hated enough around there, you know? He just had to, I mean, what a heel move. Yeah, that was legendary. Uh, you know, and he's been spending a lot of time in Tennessee. Uh, they have Jacoby Stevens, is uh, one of the top players in the country. He's in Tennessee. He's one of their top targets. So uh, I think he was definitely trying to make a move there. Uh, kind of interesting, <laughs> just the whole dichotomy of it all. I think I, I'd imagine the rule's not going to change. I don't think anyone's going to overreact to this. I just think coaches went a little overboard to start, and I can't imagine it's going to continue. I think now it'll just be, you know, a situation where if if, a, if they want to show a kid love, they will. If you know, if a, if a ki- if a kid tweets a picture of them with a the coach, maybe if uh, you or I write an article where a coach talks about how he likes a kid or a kid likes a coach or et cetera, uh, they'll get retweeted. But I think for the most part, it, it's, you know, it's kind of stupid. I don't, I don't know. I don't see it having a big impact on recruiting except for maybe it's just another way for coaches to let kids know they're not interested kind of by uh, ignoring them, which we all know they do via text messages and phone already when they're trying to sure. get rid of the kid. The, one, the most annoying thing that this could become – and, you know, like I said, I don't have, like, a hot take whether I think it's good or bad. I don't think it really affects it either way. Who really cares, you know, other than people annoying me. Is <laughs> – so a coach retweets a prospect, and we know how much these prospects like everybody to know that they're being recruited. So they're going to take screenshots of this tweet has been retweeted by whoever and then post that. Then what if the coach retweets that and the kid then retweets a screenshot of that and it becomes a vicious cycle that <laughs> – never ends that's what i'm hoping does not happen well that's what was happening with reporters saying because what was interesting about the reporters retweeting the retweets is now think about the sentence you just said (laughs) i mean this is so insane you couldn't tell for example zach azani uh the tennessee wide receivers coach i think he retweeted every single tweet from jeremiah holloman who's a three-star wide sure sure did so so then you had people retweeting those tweets, but they the, it just and then saying Tennessee's coach retweets this, but it but you couldn't tell, you couldn't tell he had done it. You're still only seeing the original tweet from the kids. So it was a total disaster. It's, the, it's confusing. There were people covering Twitter activity on Twitter. Like that's that's what became. I mean, you know, it was like. I, it's, I, I'm like anything I've ever seen before. Really, <laughs> it's like reporters reporting on tweets. Via Twitter. Well, you know, like you said, Nick Saban doesn't even have a Twitter. So, I mean, and Kiffin, I think, only tweeted three or four times. Uh, it was interesting to see, like I said, Butch Jones went, went ham. And, and I think uh, some other schools did some stuff. So, anyway, uh, kind of much ado about nothing in our opinion, except for it was a little annoying from our perspective. Uh, and maybe now, not annoying is not even the right word. Just kind of like surreal and weird, maybe. I, I don't know. I mean, it was just, yeah, I don't really have a take on if it's good or bad for recruiting or whatever. It just it was a nuisance. Another thing we've been seeing on Twitter, at least the past uh, two days, 
official offers can go out. Uh, now, this is uh, for people who don't know. A lot of kids say, oh, I've got 90 offers, you know, because a, a, a coach has verbally told them you have a scholarship offer to play at our school. Now, starting on August 1st, they can issue official offers. So I think we saw some schools, you know, they, they used to come in the mail. Now I think they just send them via Twitter. Uh, we I saw some, uh, I think Oregon was doing videos, uh, you know, 10-second videos introducing the offers. And we saw a lot of kids putting them out. But you've got kids, I mean, even kids who are top 100 kids who only get maybe four or five of these of these things. I mean, I don't think very many kids get more than 10, I mean, at the, at max. So this is when you have guys who say, I've got 90 offers. It kind of it weeds things out for us. But the, the problem, I think, is, you know, I even had a kid DM me and say, hey, I've only gotten offers from Cincinnati and Marshall. Does that mean those are the only schools I can commit to now? <laughs> I was like, well, you'll have to ask the coaches. Yeah. But even the ones... Even the ones you get the official letters from doesn't mean it's not a contract offer. You know, they yeah, can still you can't tell you sign that no. and send it back. It's another layer of stuff that doesn't mean anything in recruiting, which is like the last thing recruiting needs, right? Like we already have verbal offers that don't mean anything and verbal commitments that don't mean anything. Now we have official offers that don't mean anything. Um, so really, it's just another you know layer of crap. At the end of the day, what, what I would what what I, what I would like to see is. I would like to see these written offers be binding. I mean, what, what, wouldn't that be something? If and then we'd see even fewer go out. If you're if you're Alabama and you send one of these out, and the kid says, yep. the kid says, anytime now between now and signing day, says I'm taking it. You have to take them. I mean, that that would be a that would be a crazy thing. It probably, but I think that would be better for the kids. Which none of none of them would go out until the week. Well, none of them from the top tier of schools would go out until the week of signing day. Yeah, but it would create an interesting game of chicken because if you're the number one player in the country and you haven't received one from X school, and you know, say Texas has sent you one and Alabama hasn't, well, I mean, that could that could definitely add a layer uh, wrinkle of it. I think. Yeah, but what if what, but what if you you have the letter from Texas, but Alabama's retweeting you all the time? Then it's still cool, right? <laughs> I'm just saying, a lot of these rules are, are obviously they're set by the schools. You know, people say the NCAA. Well, of course. We've had uh, the NCAA tell us we're just made up of member schools. You know, we're not, you know, some big bad governing body where the schools decide what the rules are. They vote on them. So, you know, the the rules do not benefit the kids in any way, shape, or form. (laughs) It would be nice to see. It would be nice to see these schools kind of be tied in. Uh, It does provide another layer, though. I mean, it's it's. We really need to come up with uh, some sort of. what what is that graph called? It's the circles. Venn Venn diagram. <laughs> yeah, we need a Venn diagram. Who who got an official offer and who got retweeted? Because uh, <laughs> those are the we, only two things that matter in recruiting these days. And if we put together that type of algorithm, you could find out who each school's top targets are. So uh, maybe somebody, our analytics team, can get on that. Uh, yes, five thirty eight. If we could partner with five thirty eight and have them <laughs> help us out. <laughs> Um, so anyway, that's what official offers mean. I know I had a lot of people asking me it, but I mean, think about it. The recruits don't even know what it means. That tells you how. Well, the how recruits don't really. The recruits don't really know what anything means a lot of the time. Like especially in this process, you know, because you only go through it once, and you can't fault them for it. But everything is so murked up with just like you know, everything's foggy. Nothing really means anything except for a signed letter of intent. So it's just a bunch of like 
created fantasy uh, that you know may or may not mean something when it comes to February. And you know that's tough. That's tough for me to wrap my head around as an adult, let alone a kid. Oh, you mean just because a guy sent me a letter that said I, they were offering, they're not really offering? <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> it's weird. Well, so uh, uh, another situation that uh, was really weird and kind of made some headlines. I was actually surprised it didn't make more national headlines, especially because of the time of year it is when only boring baseball is on and nobody cares about hey. baseball. As, uh, yeah. as you know. one, half, one half of this podcast cares a lot about baseball. Yeah, well, that's that's exactly how much the ratings have uh, gone down over the past 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Todd Harris, who's a four-star Rivals 250 kid out of Louisiana, the New Orleans area, he announces on Twitter on Sunday, hey, I'm committing at 5 p.m. Central Time. This was about around 5 Eastern, uh, sometime in that window, because then I obviously started freaking out because I didn't know where he was going. He recently got offered by Alabama. LSU's in the mix. He's from Louisiana. He had a top three of LSU, Alabama, and Ole Miss. So his coach puts a picture on Twitter. Hey, he's announcing. He's announcing at 5 Central. They had something at the school. I think some reporters came out uh, from the local newspaper and it gets to be it gets to be five central time, and all of a sudden nothing's happening. I'm sitting on Twitter refreshing. I saw a bunch of other reporters and ki- even other kids. You know, hey, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? And then sometime around, I think five thirty central. So you know, an hour and a half, almost two hours after his initial tweet, he comes out and announces that he's committing to play for his high school team for his senior year. Jesus. So, <laughs> so not only was the whole thing a farce, uh, it was planned ahead of time. The kid had never had any attention to announcing his college decision and basically <clears throat> wasted a bunch of people's time. Now, afterwards, the coach came out and said, hey, this was, this was my idea. I, I set it up, uh, <laughs> which... I think a friend of the show, uh, Jimmy Smith, who works for the the paper down in New Orleans, came out. Yeah, he came out. I think they like to call themselves, you know, some type of... uh, Trunk? Trunk? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, some type of... Some type of trunk type. uh, I think it's called the NOLA Media Group or something like that. Trunk adjacent. Uh, Yeah, so there's there's been a lot of talk about him, you know, trolling the... Trolling reporters and people tweeting how funny it was and stuff like that. I kind of want to get your take. I know you. you I'm sure it, it made me mad because I was in the middle of. I mean, we, I just moved into a new house. I'm trying to put together furniture, unpack boxes, and I spent two hours trying to track it down. So, what what was your take uh, from the outside, kind of just viewing it all go down? Yeah, you know, it didn't bother me. It wasn't my state, so I didn't have to do anything. But you know, and I'll ask the same question that I ask about a lot of things that these coaches do, college, high school, professional on some level. Who was this for? Like, did he think that this was going to, like, fire his team up? Like, you know, we weren't going to try really hard this season. But since our best player had a ceremony and really committed to our team, we're going to try a little bit harder and win some games. Like, it's symbolic for who? Like, is it supposed to make a statement? Is it? I mean, it's just the most, like, corny football coach thing that you can possibly imagine. It's right up there with taking the advice of the – lying about taking the advice of the janitor on a recruiting, like, you know, on a, on a recruiting visit when you're going to see a kid. It's just 
it seems like one of these football coach things that only football coaches would do. Can you imagine a basketball coach doing something like that? <laughs> There's just no way. I mean, it's just the most like good old boy Southern football coach crap. And you know, it's just I don't care. I didn't waste my time, you know. But you know, I, I definitely rolled my eyes at it. Well, so here's what the coach said. Uh, his name is Paul Di Stefano, uh, which you know, both of us being of Italian descent, uh, you know, would have some choice words for him. I think if this were uh, off the air, uh, <laughs> he said, uh, "There's so much. Uh, he, he's there's so much going on with social media and recruiting." It can overshadow everything. Our deal was this. We want our guys to understand how fortunate they are to go to a school like uh, Palicomine, or however you say, some Cajun name, where they have the opportunities academically and athletically. Todd is committed to our team and always has been. Today was just a way of show that as we get focused for our season. So, let's follow the logic here. They, the kids... Um, the other kids on the team is who this was for. So they're sitting around and they're like, you know, probably they were taking everything for granted before this announcement happened. And then once that announcement happened, they all got in a circle in somebody's basement. And were like, you know what? We're really fortunate to be here. You know, it's such a great school, you know, because that happened. I appreciate what I have more. I'm sure that is what took place. I'm sure that <laughs> at the expense of reporters and everybody else that, you know, sacrificed their time for no reason. But I'm sure, you know, whatever, whatever helps the team win games, even though this definitely does not. Um, I don't know what that statement even means, really, the more I think about it. It's a, it was a stand against social media, but it was all over social media. Like, it took over social media. It's, I, whatever. You know, I just give, like, the shoulder shrug emoji. Well, you know, the... Uh... <laughs> it was a stunt that was made for social media. To be honest, like, if you think about it, if there was no social media, this stunt would never have been pulled because nobody would have ever found out about it, Right. So the only right. reason that this guy was allowed to pull this stunt was because of the existence of social media. So you can't rage against the machine here when you're playing into it at the same time. You just can't. Well, you know, uh, our boy Jimmy Smith, as mentioned prior, wrote a column. Uh, I believe it came out. It was Yeah, it came out yesterday uh, where he really let uh, the coach have it. So uh, I thought it was interesting. I mean, you know, the problem is the kid gets caught in the middle once again. You have a you have a grown up who uh, is viewed as some sort of advisor in the kid's life or whatever his high school football coach, and then he does a stupid stunt. I mean, like you, you know, said, the more we talk about this, the more angry I'm getting. You know, I heard about yeah, some see? of those D, some of those DMs he sent Jimmy, like accusing him of not having a real job. And say what you want to say about recruiting, and like he's yelling at Jimmy about profiting off of kids and like whatever. But you just use the kid as a pawn in your game against social media. So, you know, like, do I live in a glass house? Yeah. You know, maybe I shouldn't be throwing stones here. But, boy, to come off so pious about this and, and, and then to act like we're the ones that, you know, have caused this big problem. When meanwhile, you're doing that? I don't know, man. Maybe keep your own house in order. Yeah. So, uh, needless to say, I don't know if, uh, <laughs> you know, honestly, Todd is one. Todd is a very nice kid. I mean, you know. Uh, we we don't like to talk a whole lot because we don't know the kids that well. But I've deal I've dealt with him a lot. He came to the five star challenge. He's always he's always been a very nice kid to me. So I'm sure he was kind of following orders. But yeah, definitely. I hope this doesn't become a trend. Luckily, I think uh, come the bad press. Uh, maybe we'll take care of that. But this is because I could definitely see coaches do this. You know, you see kids do it on Twitter. It's one thing to tweet and say, "Hey, I'm committing at five, and then at five tweet, "I'm committing to my school for my senior season." 
That would be one thing. To, be able to, to have a press kind of, conference and have people drive to it. Right. That's the thing is, you know, especially on a Sunday afternoon uh, during a time where stuff is slow and we have a chance to catch our breath. Well, so. and the other difference is a kid doing it on Twitter is a kid doing it on Twitter, not an adult trying to – I seriously don't know who it was for. And that, that, that logic in that statement – it, that's, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. And you and I have reached this conclusion a long time ago. We were discussing the Virginia Tech coach that claimed to have driven away from a school when a janitor told him the kid he was recruiting wasn't a high-character guy. Is These football coaches do things only for other football coaches. Like, this guy did this in the hopes that other football coaches would be like, yeah, way to, way to be a football coach, football coach. It, yeah. it's, it's, it's just for other football coaches. That's all it is. I mean, nobody else was like, good one. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> All right, so uh, <laughs> I actually had to block a few people who were telling me to stop crying about it, and uh, et cetera. So I just, you know, there's definitely some. And, uh, and listen, I do, I do put some, uh, you know, as someone who who played football in high school and everything like that, I, I did, uh, you know, really enjoy my high school coach. I think he toughened me up and things like that. But some of this stuff, I think, especially on social media. You can't complain about social media and then pull a stunt via social media. I mean, I'm with you on that one. So, uh, speaking of football coaches doing stupid stuff, man, oh man, we're gonna we're gonna try to toe the line here. As our uh, our boss uh, Derek Sampson, big shout, uh, probably uh, is always wondering if we're gonna cross the line. We had an incident this Hi, past <laughs> this past week at Texas A&M where they had a women's coaching clinic. We don't have to get too into specifics, but basically there were some, you know innuendos i guess they used on the the uh powerpoint presentation which were pretty inappropriate uh you and i had actually talked about this off the air with these women's clinic things and kind of how they were kind of uh i don't i don't know what the term yeah, i tell you what they are is they're, they're definitely condescending and possibly yeah, condescending. sexist and possibly sexist like they shouldn't be having these things at all like the very existence of a woman's coaching clinic is kind of like, hey, women have tiny brains that don't get football. We need to set aside some time to really, I don't know. In 2016, it seems like kind of a leap that these things even exist, and I won't even get into the innuendo and stuff. The innuendo and stuff that was, you know, totally out of bounds. Um, but just the existence of these things boggles my mind right now. It's, it seems like a very archaic thing. You think these things should have stopped sometime in the 90s? Well, I'm with you on that one. I think you know. There are plenty. We, you know, I think we both know plenty of, of women who enjoy watching football, and they can talk about it in a nor, and I guess a normal matter. They don't need to be, you know, they don't need special terminology or special lessons. And if there are people who want to learn the game, I kind of understand, you know. But I, I just have a just have a you know football for beginners, and it could be men and women. It doesn't have to be, you know, <laughs> women's uh, cut. Yeah, it's it, it's a bad look. And it seems right, to only so, like this isn't happening in a lot of these mid Atlantic schools, right? Like this is like a very Texas and like Southern state thing, right? I don't think that Penn State is hosting, but maybe they are. I, actually, I, I think, think every school. I think they are. Yeah, I, think, <laughs> I think every school does it to a certain degree to get you know the coach FaceTime with you know it's just trying to appeal to a broad, a different audience. But at the same time, I I just don't think I just think hey, if you want to have a football clinic where the head coach you know, break some things down, I think you just have it for everybody. You have it maybe for kids. You have it for adults who don't know the game as well. But the the, the bigger issue for us now is uh, from a recruiting standpoint, we look at Texas A&M, and, boy, it's just been a 
it's just been a rough like nine months here. I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm trying to think of a of a, a similar situation that happened maybe in another sport or pro sports, maybe like the Sacramento Kings or something, because I mean you had. You know, unfortunately, it's it's out of their control. But you know, they're tied in with all the bad press that uh, you know Johnny Manziel's been getting. We saw Kevin someone get asked about it at SEC media days when we were there. Then you have, uh, of course, their quarterback situation. They had their top two quarterbacks transfer uh, to different schools in the off season, and then you had the coach. You know, you had you had Tate Martell decommit. You had the coach essentially attack him on Twitter, which led to more bad press. Then the coach got he, publicly reprimanded, right, via the notes app, if I remember correctly. <laughs> right, yeah, then he got he got in trouble. And then, actually, I believe we were at SEC Media Days, and somebody asked someone about it, and he got real testy, um, you know, when asked about that, saying they'd already discussed it. So, you know, and now we have this. It's just been a – it just – it seems like it's just been a rough it's – it's been a rough yeah. few months, and now you – you know what would solve this all for them? Is if they had a coaching staff press conference where they all recommitted to Texas A&M in a symbolic gesture. <laughs> that would make everything go away. <laughs> the point is, for me, uh, you know, guess who, guess who controls the recruitment of, I don't know, 50% of the players out there? The moms, you know? So now we have a perception of, okay, is this how they're going to teach, you know, my son how to treat women? And at the time where we've already got another school in Texas, you know, facing some, some you know, issues at Baylor, obviously much more serious than what happened at Texas A&M. But I just don't think it's a – I personally, I, think it's a, I don't think it's a good look. I think, you know, I, I don't know what you do if you're Texas A&M. But I tell you what, if they don't have a good season this year and you're, you're running the school there, I think, you know, you, you, you might have to think about making a change. Yeah, no, I absolutely. And you know, what's interesting about that is even that it's gotten this far, because the first two years of Kevin Tumlin, this guy was like tabbed as like, you know, an up and coming next big thing in college football coaching, right? And to think that three years later, with a bad season, he could possibly be considered to be released or considered to be relieved of his duties. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I mean, who knows? But even the fact that we can have this conversation after what it was three years ago there is really, you want to talk about a quick fall from grace. Well, and I think uh, I think someone is a good coach, but I just think part of, unfortunately, part of being a college football coach now is you're you're overseeing the whole program, so you can't have stuff like this happening. And it's one thing if one thing happens, but you know, three or four or five things start to stack up. Uh, I think I personally think it is going to have an effect in recruiting, and I know Texas A&M fans, if they listen to this, uh, you know, will probably get mad at us, but. It's just like you got to, you know. I personally would have just fired the coaches who who were in charge of this uh, woman's clinic slideshow. You know what I mean? And just say we're not gonna we're not gonna accept that, especially you know in, in the current climate we're in. I just would have I just would have said forget it. Um, but that's yeah, that's no, my that's personal opinion. I, I I know I I concur, and I don't know how those coaches are regarded otherwise by Texas A&M fans as far as their recruiting work or their work on the field. Uh, but you got to think that if they, if they weren't contributing, like, you know, they, they probably would have been let go as an excuse. I mean, someone's got to be looking. And maybe he just is a super loyal guy. Like, you know, there are coaches out there that have trouble firing assistant coaches. He's not the only one. Um, and it's possible that that's part of it. All right. One team that uh, has not had any problems in recruiting, of course, Alabama, always near the top of our team rankings. Uh, I think they're number one right now. They had a huge week. They added, boy, I think since – 
July 23rd, if we go back a little bit longer, they've added seven commits, I believe, maybe six six or seven. Um, the, the biggest one we saw was Jerry Judy. Of course, you were on vacation. Uh, Andrew Bone, uh, you know, of, of Snapchat fame, bothered you the entire time you were on vacation, which was, <laughs> probably could be your rant of the week. Uh, but we all knew Jerry Judy was going there. He's really close with, uh, with Calvin Ridley, uh, almost like a – you know, de facto uh, brother in terms of their their closeness of the relationship dating back three or four years now. What is it about Alabama that, that allows him to keep stealing these these big time players out of South Florida? Because I mean, this is you know you got Amari Cooper, you got Ridley, and now you got Judy. I mean, it seems like they're just uh, building a pipeline down there. Yeah, well, that's helped. But there's the obvious thing. Obviously, everybody wants to go play for national championships. And I saw a stat floating on the internet uh, the other day where since Saban has arrived at Alabama, every recruiting class has been part of a national championship team. That's insane. <laughs> so there's probably a draw for that. Um, then, you know, there's the Florida pipeline. You know, with Judy's case especially, so close to Calvin Ridley. He's seen what's happened with Calvin Ridley over there. Um, you know, they come from similar backgrounds, and it, it, it just sets a pace, you know? you know, They're so similar, maybe not players, but they're so similar as in where they grew up, how they grew up. They play the same position. They both had the opportunity. And, you know, why not if you're Jerry Judy? You've seen the guy come right before you and what he's done there. I think that's definitely helped in Judy's case and with the other Florida players in general. Yeah, I uh, actually was looking up some stuff I wrote about him a few years ago. I don't know if you got the emails I sent you of some, boy, some grade-A scouting by me back at the Dolphins 7-on-7 seven seven in 2014. <laughs> I, was, I was really, really happy with myself for some of those articles I wrote. Yeah, I mean, you saw those hips early, my friend. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, good, 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 good evals by me. Um, you know, I, I really like Judy. I think there's going to be some discussion, at least. I don't know. I don't know how much about him. Maybe moving up uh, into that five star range. I think there's. No, I think he is, and, and I'll be probably thwarted. But you know, I, I don't mind going on the record saying I, Rob Cassidy, personally will be pushing for him to be. Right. So, so that's kind of how it works. Rob will be leading the charge on that one. I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see the debate, how things shake out. He did he did do well at our event. He did well at the opening, um, but more importantly, you know, for Alabama, he provides that that guy. And you know, for them to be viewed as a school that is primarily a running school, I mean, you know, once again, they're producing these receivers, and and he falls the the mold. But you look at the guys they added over the past week. We got Alabama, Texas, Alabama, Florida. Texas. I mean, it's it's interesting because now it almost seems like, you know, and this is probably something we could talk with Nick about. Texas is becoming as big a state for them as as even their you know in state. And then of course they reached down to Florida. They got a they got a quarterback from there. They got now they got a wide receiver. They got a linebacker. It's just like they can just go get anyone they want, right? I mean, the, does, the L, does the LSU situation play into that? I mean, as much as Miles, I, I think Les Miles is a great coach. I've been on record saying I think that whole fire Les Miles thing last year was completely misguided. But does the fact that that program is now seen as on shaky ground because they may fire him again this year if he has a bad season, is that a boon for Alabama? Because, you know, they, they were pulling kids. The kids that Alabama is pulling out of Texas now are kids that traditionally were LSU was pulling out of Texas. Is the way it looks to me. Yeah, man, and and of course the Longhorn. You know, I guess you, you know, you got to tie in. You know, Baylor's recruiting has gone down the tubes. 
we mentioned Texas A&M, and then Texas, of course, is still trying to get back. So Alabama's filling the void. I guess you're right, a lot of factors in play uh, there. <laughs> and now even add in what's going on at Ole Miss now, where who traditionally also recruits Texas a little bit, and now you want to talk about uncertainty over them. You know, it's like Alabama needed some recruiting breaks here. It's really good to see, you know, little underdog Alabama get the breaks they need in recruiting so they can get these top-level athletes. Well, it's one of the things that, you know, is a is a misconception is always, you know, oh, the Bama bump, guys get moved up when they go to Alabama. It's like, how are we supposed to predict that an offensive lineman from Sacramento, California or is going to go to Alabama when we do the rankings, you know? <laughs> like, there's there's no way. There's no, We're not projecting where these guys are going to go when we, I mean, we just had the 2018 rankings meetings. We're not like, hey, this running back from, you know, some suburb of lexington kentucky is going to go to alabama we better make him a five star you know what i'm saying so uh, obviously you know but uh, it's just one of those things that frustrates me we'll, we'll hit a few uh rapid fire topics as my uh battery's about to die <laughs> on my laptop here's i'm sitting in a closet recording this yeah uh, only, only the nicest at rivals.com studio right <laughs> Uh, Emery Jones, who uh, is in that five-star mix as well. We had quite a big uh, discussion on him during those meetings. Those rankings come out uh, next week, starting on Monday. He committed to Ohio State. He was a guy that I think Clemson really liked. I know Tennessee – I mean, he was so close to committing to Tennessee that we had the graphics made up and the analysis video. Uh, Urban Meyer famously called him and told him, eh, why don't you wait a little bit? Uh, we saw that happen with Benjamin Victor, a wide receiver from Florida last year. And uh, now, you, next thing you know, Emory Jones just committed to Ohio State. So I, I, I took some flack on the Ohio State board for saying that they haven't had a ton of success in Georgia in recent years. Uh, of course, you know, they got Raekwon McMillan back in uh, 2014, Von Bell in 2013. But when you're talking about elite guys, you know, we see them go down to Florida, but I, I personally, I think this is their biggest commitment in Georgia, probably since McMillan. Yeah, and you know, it's they still look like it, to pair him and not pair him, I guess, because two different classes. You said they, you've seen the success in Florida. They're still the clear front runner for Trevon Grimes. They're doing well in the Southeast as a whole now. Um, well, they've always done well in Florida, but if you add, you know, an increased presence in Georgia to that, which, you know, it definitely, as you and I both know, are probably the two marquee states in the Southeast, uh, I guess a case could maybe be made for Louisiana in some years, but not this year. Uh, then, I mean, watch out, especially if you're transporting, you know, what they call SEC speed up to the Big Ten, uh, it's not hard to see why <laughs> they've, they've been so successful in that league in the last few years. Yeah, they got, they got Josh Norwood, who's a three-star DB in, in 2015, but you know, I don't consider Ohio State getting a three-star out of Georgia or even Florida a big deal. You know what I mean? Because no. You know who else gets three take... stars out of Georgia and Florida? Nebraska. Yeah. UC, <laughs> Missouri. Yeah, my, yeah my, my alma mater, UCF, uh, does a great job of doing that. Uh, they built their whole team out of it, uh, which preceded Colorado. the games last mm-hmm. season. <laughs> so... Uh, I did want to talk a little bit about a few other topics, but we're going to ju- we're going to go ahead and jump into the uh, rants and recommendations because I'm in the I'm in the red zone with this battery. Rob, you got anything for us? I know you've been uh, binging shows on Netflix and the like. So what do you got? Yeah, you know I watched uh, Stranger Things on Netflix, which is kind of a horror show. It's kind of got an old school vibe to it. It's kind of a it's off brand for me because it's kind of like a sci fi ordeal where you know other dimensions exist and monsters and telekinesis and things that I usually do not get into. It was fine. Uh, I don't know if it's as good as 
the internet is making it out to be, but I enjoyed it thoroughly. I think the ending was a little bit weird, but you know, it's definitely worth your time. There's only eight episodes, so it's not like you're investing a, a giant, sinking a giant portion of your life into watching this. It's definitely enjoyable. Uh, it's not the best show I've ever seen. It's no Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which was the best show of 2015, um, but it was good. Wait, uh, by the way, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, four Emmy nominations. Uh, I don't know if you saw that, so the, I, the, critics, the critics agree with you on that one, Rob. Of course, man, of course. Um, yeah, I think Nick might have talked about that last week. I can't really remember. I, I don't. I don't necessarily have any recommendations this week. I, uh, you know, I've been listening to a lot of new podcasts, trying some out, but haven't really fa- found anything that uh, that fit. You know, a lot of heteronormative stereotype talk on <laughs> a lot of the shows. Yeah, hold on. Which to. podcast was that that we were talking about? You want to talk about heteronormative stereotypes? We can talk about those women's camps again. Boy, you want to talk oh, about yeah, reinforcing you're right. those? Yeah, I, I was listening to Malcolm Gladwell's new podcast, which uh, which was which was very interesting, discussing some type of uh, gender issues. The first episode, I think he's like eight episodes in. I think it's called Revisionist History or something like that. It was it was relatively enjoyable. I'll keep listening to it. Uh, some of the other ones I listen to though are just you know to fill fill the time, kind of like people who are probably listening to this right now. Yeah. Nobody's uh, recommending this podcast on their own podcast. They're just like yeah, right, exactly in terms of losers. in terms of <laughs> in terms of complaints, I got a whole bunch, uh, mainly related to the car dealership I bought my car from, uh, Mall of Georgia, <laughs> Chrysler Deep Jeep Dodge. Uh, All right, we'll call know. them right out now, boy. <laughs> Listen. I, don't buy a car from there. We'll just put it that way. I, it, there's been a lot of issues uh, le- leading to me threatening to drive my car through that showroom floor. <laughs> <laughs> and for people that think you're joking, would you please explain that you actually said this to them? Yeah, I did say that to them. Uh, and I, I have been known to say outlandish things. I probably shouldn't say stuff like that in a time where people are actually doing stuff like that. But uh, I let it be known that if... Uh, you know, they didn't fix the uh, malfunctions on my car. But by, by the way, it, you know, a certified pre-owned vehicle, 110-point inspection. I mean, you you know, you may want to check if the car starts on a regular basis as one of those. Uh, <laughs> that should be the 111th point. Right. So, so you know, avoid them. I told, I already went on any form of social media and, and let it be known that, uh, you know, my experience. So you can go to Yelp, check out the Yelp review if you want to read my complaint. <laughs> In, uh, in full, uh, all its full glory, uh, which, by the way, the owner responded to every single Yelp review except mine, uh, which course. I found, uh, yeah, pretty interesting. So, anyway, that's it for this week. Follow us. Wait on a minute, Twitter. wait a minute. Well, maybe I'll hold it for next week. I've been sitting on a complaint about some shoes that bloodied my feet for about four years now. I've been ready to rip them. Um, and now that we are out of a certain partnership, I can, I can yeah. go on how terrible their shoes are. But we'll get to that in another episode. Yeah, you might have to wait on that. Uh, just a reminder, the Rivals 100 presented by Under Armour comes out next week. Uh, if you check that on Monday, uh, you can find Rob on Twitter at Cassidy underscore Rob. I'm at Rivals Woody. You can find us at Rivals Podcast. Our music, which may or may not be playing right now, depending on how I figure out how to edit this episode together, uh, is uh, presented by the one and only M. Deuce. So, uh, we find miss you, on Nick. SoundCloud. Yeah, I'm Nick. Enjoy your time. And, and of course, uh, it was not Under Armour shoes that bloodied my feet. I need to, uh, I need to point that out. Uh, it was, maybe it was uh, Sperry's. No. <laughs> anyway, anyway, that wraps it up for this week. We'll be back uh, with a new episode next week. <laughs>